Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where we revisit the movie. That's one. <laughs> I do save these in an outtakes folder. Just All right. That. We got two. We got two, two more. more. <laughs> Over under three. Go. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where we watch. Damn it. Two. I only have one more to do. I'm going to do it. Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where we. we... All right. I'm going to do the, oh. I can't, I have the yips. I'm going to do it one more time. Casinos are losing money on this tonight. <laughs> you are. All right. Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where, you, where we, I cannot fucking talk for. All right. Fourth time's the charm. Right. Just one more time. I could do this. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where we revisit the movies from our youth to see if they live up. Quick note on how this will go. We will review, discuss, and score the movie in question to see if it lives up to us now as adults and whether it lives up to kids today. Welcome to all of our new listeners. Make sure everybody likes, subscribes to at live up pod on all the socials and subscribe to us on your platform of choice. Leave a review. If you could write a review for us on iTunes or just rate us on Spotify or however else you do it, that would be amazing. Thanks so much. But that's the end of admin. I'm Jess Latterman. And I'm Amanda Treat. For today's film, don't we all really want to see Alan Rickman cut someone's heart out with a spoon? It's (laughs) 1991's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Fun fact, I still own a DVD copy of this movie, and you can only watch the first half of it, and then you have to eject it, flip it, and then watch the second half. Like, I don't remember how DVDs were double-sided like that. They were not. I bought this movie on Amazon... uh, Oh, man, 15, 20 years ago, and it came like that. So I think somebody was trying to make that a thing. It's not a thing. It's not it's a thing. It's an annoying, annoying thing. But, so, but it wasn't no. on Laserdisc. You, you, it's a DVD. It was not on Laserdisc, Just though. Checking. Although we're hearing from some of our listeners that Laserdisc was all the rage. All the rage for like a minute. <laughs> Many people are remembering this, so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, that was a plug for our previous episode, Sons of the Lambs, <laughs> which I did see on Laserdisc, but I don't and have it. thank you to the listeners who chimed in about their Laserdiscs. We, uh, <laughs> I want to say sympathize. I don't even know how you describe our reaction to Laserdisc technology. I don't know. We're a little obsessed with Maybe. it. Maybe. May it rest in peace. Oh, we should probably talk about the Robin Hood movie. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, Jess, you've seen this before, but what's your history with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Yeah, so I saw this in the theater. I was aware of Kevin Costner because this was right after Dances with Wolves, so I knew who he was. And then after I saw it in the theater, this was in heavy rotation at home. But I will say, watching this again, there were huge portions of the movie that I completely forgot existed, uh, which was like new to me, (laughs) watching it again. I I guess I remember being impressed with it in the theater. It had like gravitas as there's a lot of good things going on in this movie. And I sort of felt that, I guess, as 11-year-old me watching this movie. And I did sit down to watch this with my kids this time around. So I hadn't seen it in like, this is the classic live up podcast kind of movie. I had not seen this in 35 years, at least. You're blindly viewing it with your kids. Right, which my wife doesn't like. And I think we've talked about this before. And and typically it's, uh, did you look at the rating? No, I didn't look at the rating. Uh, No. This is rated PG-13. There's, there's, we'll get into that. But no, I looked up nothing prior to showing this to my children and it's fine. It's all good. But, uh. Excellent. What about you, Amanda? Did you see this in the theater? 
I saw this in the same movie theater where I saw the Adams Family and Edward Scissorhands, like our local, uh, our Chestnut Hill movie theater. And I remember there was a lot of apprehension going into it because we'd heard that our neighbors had gone with their whole family and that their youngest daughter, who's probably five, six, I don't know how old she was, but she had burst into tears and they had to leave the movie and they didn't finish it because I think we all were walking into it like Robin Hood's fun. Yay. Like we love the Disney version where they're all fun animals and they're singing. And immediately in this movie, you see someone's hands get chopped off. And then there's that scene where they're going up to the castle and out comes Duncan with his eyes have been like cut out of his yeah. head. And just The hand chop off. I did not remember. Yeah, so their daughter freaked out. That said, we really enjoyed it when we saw it in the theater. It wasn't scary. It was a little gross, definitely gritty, but like I asked Santa for a VHS cassette for the for Christmas that year and got it and probably watched it a hundred more times. So yeah. I love this movie as a kid. It's this is we do need to specify this is the second Robin Hood movie in That's our right. Robin Hood trifecta. There are three major Robin Hood movies from our childhood, and this is the second one. Please go listen to our Disney Robin Hood review if you haven't heard it already. I was looking forward to doing this one because this one I had seen so much. I've seen this one more than the other two in our trifecta which is men in tights and the disney one and i told my kids it has snape in it because as you know alan rickman playing the sheriff of nottingham this is his one of his many amazing villain roles he's got a lot of villain roles in his uh resume yeah i mean we'll say like for for people watching with kids like that is an appeal that there's a recognizable actor that they know i don't know if moving from snape to the sheriff of nottingham though it's a bit of a jump because this is not a kid-friendly character. It's yeah, amazing. Point. Yeah, I don't know from a kid's point of view if you're used to him being Snape and he only takes it up to say seven or eight, and then you watch this or you watch Die Hard and he's taking it up to the full eleven. It's probably a little jarring, but I don't know. You you ask your kids what they thought. <laughs> yeah, I saw this before I saw Harry Potter, so That's I don't. True. I you can't saw weigh his in on villainy that. in order. So, Jess, do you want to share a quick plot synopsis of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I do. When we... I swear to God, maybe I need to get another beer. I don't know. Alcohol break? Because I'm getting low on wine. (laughs) We're, like, really at the beginning. I think what this episode needs is more alcohol. (laughs) What would Friar Tuck do? Oh, that's so good! I love that he was what drunk. Friar Tuck do? I'm getting another beer. All right. I, I can't even yep. with myself. I just poured a large glass of wine. Okay. I'm like, this This episode is brought to you by my neighbor Pam, who is a professional wine taster. And is she is really? constantly offloading her bottles to us. That's a great job. <laughs> it's a great, great neighbor to have. <laughs> All right. So Jess, do you want to share a quick plot synopsis of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I do. I'm glad you clarified which Robin Hood. Because when we reviewed the 1973 Disney version, which, by the way, listeners, was one of our favorite episodes, so go back and listen to that. It was. It's a great episode. Oh, I love that. Um, love that and go one. watch the movie, too. But when we watched the Disney version, we described it as the OG of class warfare stories. And in some ways, this version is more good versus evil story mixed with a classic rich guy pretending not to be rich so he could be king of the rubes. Also in this version, the Sheriff of Nottingham is the baddest bitch of them all. 
Oh, yeah. There's no Prince John, which is historically inaccurate, but in this version, we're just going to focus completely on that sheriff. We are. Which Who's a bad bitch? Alan Rickman. Oof. Oof. Bad boy. Baddest bad guy. He's so good at so it. So good. Oh. I do remember at the time that it was, a, I don't remember why, I guess in the chatter at the time, and there's no way for me to verify this, that it was a big deal that they added a character, that they brought someone from the Crusades essentially back. I don't even know if race played a role in it, but it was a big deal that they added a character. I feel like that was talked about. I mean, they added a bunch of characters and they downgraded a bunch of characters from the fairy tale, like, or not fairy tale, but the legend. Little John's supposed to be Robin's BFF, right. but they have very much put his character to the side and he's like married with kids and all that. And, Pops up occasionally, but it's really Robin and Azim, played by Morgan Friedman, who are, I mean, they're the buddies of this film, if this is like a bromance kind of movie. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would describe their friendship as a bromance, but we'll go with that for now. I mean, Azim is just, just sassing the hell out of him. Oh, They have their initial scene together where Robin helps him escape from a prison. And, and they're in like he, Jerusalem or something at this point. Like, cause the movie starts. Yeah, this is the, it starts during the Crusades. So they're, yeah, they're running through, I don't know if you call it a Medina and, you know, going through the narrow streets yeah. and there's people shooting arrows at them and all sorts of, it looks cool. It's the marketplace, but like also creepy and claustrophobic cause they're at night and there's people hunting them. I yeah, know. I appreciate it. They have a great bromance. They have a good bromance. Yeah, I didn't read it as a bromance as a kid or now as an adult watching it again. And I think as a kid, Morgan Freeman didn't register to me as much for Azim, but I, I appreciated his character now as an adult. I liked the sassing. You know, it's still a good gag when Robin Hood uh, can't doesn't understand the concept of a telescope and just can't understand that concept. It's funny when Robin Hood is fighting Little John for the first time and like gets his ass kicked a little bit and Nazim just Azim is just like, Oh Jesus Christ, this guy sucks. And just yells at him like, get, get up, up and move faster. Yeah, he has this his like advice. low level disdain for Robin Hood, which I find really funny. Uh so I didn't pick up on that as a kid, but I did find it funny now. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic between the two of them. But all right, so we have two very good actors here. Mm-hmm. One of them is acting really well. The other one is not. <laughs> Which one, Amanda? Tell me. I think it's universal. <laughs> but let's let's start with the main character let's here. Our protagonist is Robin of Loxley, played by Kevin Costner. And just to remind everyone, 1991 is like peak Kevin Absolutely Costner. Absolutely peak. Yeah. He's just come off of Dances with Wolves. He won an Oscar for Best Actor and an Oscar for Best Director. Yeah, he could do no wrong at this point, and he signs on to do this movie, and it's with his buddies who helped produce and assistant direct Dances with Wolves. He's gonna go on from this to do The Bodyguard. Remember what a big friggin' deal that was? Like FD. There's you can't make a movie without Kevin Costner and have its theme song go on to be like the biggest song. Of the year. <laughs> like he's oh my god, so popular. Great track record I for theme songs. Yes, he's considered hot at this point but like we're too young to consider him hot he's running around with a mullet in this movie and i just can't get over that like his hair is a little little 90s it's very 90s Um, i actually knew him from bull durham which was definitely oh yeah which she'd already yeah like that was a great movie he's done a lot of great movies at this point yeah that was a great movie field of dreams he's 
did that a couple years before four. We're Robin basically Hood. listing off future episodes. Um, yeah, we're boom, boom, our childhood and <laughs> movies. Kevin Costner here. Right, so he was a known quantity for sure when I saw this. Like, I was excited to see him in this role, even if I didn't yeah. care, if I didn't think he was, like, hot or anything. I just was excited to see him. Like, to me, he was, like, the grade A actor. I should have done some intel and asked my mom if she thought he was hot. Okay, we'll go by Mrs. Treat's taste. She is becoming more candid about what she does and does not find hot at different points in her life. Like, right now, I think everybody her age is going through an outlander phase. Like, (laughs) that's a thing. She says she likes it for the scenery. I think it means, like, scenery equals that guy's ass. But, like, Mm. you know, she's, she's becoming more vocal about what... You know, she likes and doesn't like in a movie. So, yeah, I don't know if she has an opinion on Kevin Costner or not. He seems very milk toast. We need to follow <laughs> up on this, and I'd like to know Mrs. Yeah. Street's um, opinion about the hotness level yeah. of Kevin Costner. I, the, <laughs> tune in next episode, whatever that I'm is. I'm going to do some research Yeah, here. I need to know this. So, it would be good mm-hmm, if listeners maybe? told us if they thought Kevin Costner was hot. Because he never registered to me as a sex symbol. I mean, we had talked about... When we've um, talked about Edward Scissorhands, that Johnny Depp, when he was at his peak, he was just, you know, beautiful looking man. And and that was like his thing. He is. Right. So and and I don't remember Kevin Costner having that kind of following. No. No. I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm the wrong person to ask. you're, yeah, Sorry. you Sorry, as listeners. a lesbian are not going to have as many thoughts about Christian Slater appearing in this movie as I will. And, like, I'm a little young to have had a Christian Slater phase, but I very much appreciated that Christian Slater was in this movie. Like, I, in 1991, I loved me some Christian Slater. He's, yeah. Yeah. A little, like, slinky, slimy, but, like, there was something about that that was so 1991's, like, meet the bad boy. Like, oh, yeah. Classic be heroin chic thin and, like, scrawny and... You're all about his sarcasm. Ooh, Ooh. Christian Slater. So, But getting back to Kevin Costner <laughs> as Robin Hood. So you had started this by saying one of them was good in this movie and one of them wasn't. Yeah. And with this intro we just did for Kevin Costner, you would yeah. actually think so, it was Kevin Costner. He was pretty much an A-lister, legendary actor at the moment he stepped into the reins as Robin of Loxley. I always thought it was his choice to just keep his voice natural and, like, do his American accent, which is not good in this movie. But I have since read that he wanted to do a British accent, and the director was like, no, no, people know you who for you are, who you are. It'll be distracting. I mean, that so might not be wrong. the director telling him not to? It might have been terrible. Christian Slater did kind of take a shot at the British accent, and it's not good, but I... Minor kudos for at least trying. I don't know. I mixed feelings. It's a terrible British accent coming out of that guy's mouth. Yeah. But like Kevin Costner doesn't try it except for a couple of scenes that just like pops up suddenly. And I found out after the fact that he just kept slipping it in there to piss the director off. <laughs> the director told him not to do it. Like, screw you, I'm going to pronounce this but with a very British accent suddenly. Regardless of his performance, or maybe this is his performance, I felt like he played Robin Hood as, like, very monotone. I, I yeah. don't even know how to say it. Maybe it was the confusion over the accents. No, I think his his acting type, because he doesn't do any wild... You know, he and, I would say, Morgan Friedman, who we were talking about a second ago, as being, like... A really strong performance that Morgan Friedman always plays Morgan Friedman 
in every single movie he's in. I like I but like he's him, always though. very good. <laughs> yeah, he's always excellent, excellent at whatever he's in. But Kevin Costner always plays this very stoic. That's true. Stoic. Kind of monotone. And that's what Kevin he's playing Costner. now in these westerns. And it's great in Field of Dreams and it's yeah, great in Yellowstone, but it's not great here cuz they try to even give him some funny lines and it's a little funny, but like he just comes across like a Mike Pence in this movie. Oh my god, that's an amazing comparison. Yeah, he's very like, and now I will do this. Like it just doesn't. Yeah, it's dry. <laughs> it comes across so dry. Yeah, from the moment he he slaps his hand down on the table in the prison and looks the guy in the eye who's about to cut his hand off and says, "This is English courage" with the most American accent ever, and it was like a head slap for me. Like, oh right, Kevin Gosner does not do. Any sort of accent at all. I remember that, but I didn't remember how bad it was that he wasn't even trying. It's funny you mentioned that particular scene because, first of all, the scene, the whole Crusades piece went on for way too long. This entire section of the movie I had forgotten existed, even though I'd seen this movie a lot. I think I'd forgotten existed because it's like, it has nothing to do with the actual plot of the movie. So you're basically a half hour in before you arrive in England, which is where the main thing happens. But at that moment when he says that, this is English pride in his American accent, I even was like, oh, that's just like, it's like harsh on my ears almost. And I'm an American. (laughs) I started writing in the margins of my notes. Anytime he was saying something like that, American savior, right? Yes. Rather than white savior, it was like, yes. here comes an American and oh he's going to rewrite all of British history with his American oh accent and like be the American savior of this whole thing. It was just like, oh, this is so cringy. No. Yeah, no, their whole no. thing, because he plays, it's he's not the sexy fox of the 1973 Disney version. He's not the sexy fox of your furry dreams, or whatever that might mean to be. No, and please, please listen to our previous episode about Robin Hood, the Disney Robin Hood, because there's a furry context that you're missing. There is. You don't know what we're talking about here. But, But you think of, and I think kids, my kids love the fox, of Robin Hood in some ways, yeah. even my daughter who's He's older. Very now, charming. It's hard for it's hard for kids to relate to this version of Robin Hood because he's just so strident. Robin Hood was naughty, right? Like he's naughty, he's stealing from the rich, all these things. And if you're only familiar with the Disney version, that's how he's presented. So Or even Errol Flynn. I mean right. he's rakish. Rakish. He's charming. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's playful. And this is the opposite of that. This is stoic and Spartan. It's a whiff of like this very like selfish, which is not the character that Robin Hood's supposed to be. He's supposed to be robbing from the rich and, and, and giving to the poor. And he just comes across as like an American savior is such a great way to put it. Because it's sort of like, I am a rich guy, but I'm not going to be a rich guy. And I'm just going to walk in here and lead all you rubes into, into battle. Yeah. And it's, it comes across as selfish to me. Yeah, no, he went to Phillips Exeter Academy and then he went and studied abroad <laughs> yeah, somewhere and came back and tried to tell everyone how enlightened he was. That's right? who we're dealing with here. And it's annoying. And he that's fucks with their lives. He becomes a chaos agent then in their lives. And this, may, I mean, that's a little bit the scripting, but that's just sort of, sort of how he plays it. He plays it as that American, as a savior He and stoic. He doesn't play it naughty. And I, as a kid, I didn't mind it. But this time around, it just didn't have enough depth. Let's jump into Azim, mm-hmm. played by Morgan Friedman. So he, for some reason, has this whole other side plot that they never develop. 
but he has dreams about a witch and the witch is having dreams about him. Like there's a whole nother movie going on between right? Morgiana the witch and Azim. Which I didn't pick up as a kid. I want to watch that movie because I remember as a kid, it just stuck with me as a kid for some reason. There's a scene where they're all sitting around a campfire and they're talking about the sheriff and somebody is like, and he has a witch and she flies. And you just cut to Morgan Friedman's face going, which? Mm. Oh, right. And yeah. you see it. I think the impression is supposed to be, oh, like maybe he's a little scared of witches or he thinks England is super weird because they have witches or like some reaction like that. But after watching it a bunch of times, you're like, oh, like there's a connection. He's like somehow spiritually connected to this witch. <laughs> they fall asleep at night and dream about each other or about murdering each other right. or something. Like, And if folks, and- don't, if folks don't remember, the witch is sort of like the the like stepmom for the sheriff of nottingham for the um alan yeah, she's character. just crashing in his basement or something like it isn't explained although there's an uncut version of the film where there's more backstory that she i don't need like, more of the witch the to be sheriff's honest. mom or something <laughs> like no it's just it's this weird undeveloped side plot that azim and the witch are destined to murder each other and hmm. i feel they like they have to play it out the whole you way you could almost do like a rosencrantz and guildenstern version of just focusing on that that would be interesting that would be so much fun that actually. would be great because yeah, the two of them are really captivating characters unlike robin <laughs> and yeah. like do you want to see azim murder a witch yes yes like, let's do let's a slow build up to that but i do appreciate his depth i mean i think he added a lot if he wasn't in this movie i don't think i would have liked it as much as he meaning morgan freeman i don't think i would have liked it as much as a kid even though he didn't register for me as much as a kid but it's like robin hood needed someone to humanize him you needed someone to sort of be his buddy not just the love interest so he serves that role well i i like morgan freeman in this a lot he's kind of the a philosopher character he comes in he's got all the wisdom he gives one sentence pieces of advice that you know robin has to take to heart and act on immediately he gets to make his own pretentious speech at the end which seems weird but with morgan friedman delivering it it at least has more gravitas he's standing on the wall yeah he's yelling down to the people about how they should abandon the sheriff and join robin hood and how i'm not one of you but i follow robin hood if you just look at the words, that's a really dumb speech. The script of this is not the best script of any movie we've reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> but there are actors in it who are just saying, all right, you know what? We're going to make this work. And he, Morgan Friedman, makes this work. This character is great. He's very interesting. He's always doing kind of cool stuff in the background or, you know, sometimes right in the front. Like, they have him basically invent dynamite at one point. That doesn't seem true to the Robin Hood legend, but now we get to blow up a lot of shit. So, woo! Yay, Azeem. So, both of these characters, the good guys, the buddy duo here, are offset by the Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, good And he has his cousin, Guy of Gisborne, who's the lackey in this situation. But let's start with the Sheriff of Nottingham, played by Alan Rickman. Oh my god, this is one of the great performances of my childhood. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's like the movie The Dark Knight when you're just wanting the Joker to come back on screen mm. the whole time. And you're like, I don't give a shit what Batman's doing right now. Like, 
what's the Joker doing? Right. I really need to see what the Joker's doing. Yeah, he's phenomenal, but I, I do think he was like a little dark. I mean, so if folks don't remember, there's, and I think we had mentioned this previously, the, the Prince John is not really a character. So the, all the bad guy shit just gets rolled into Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham, who's planning to usurp the throne. So it's him trying to usurp, not not Prince John. Uh, but he is so dark. You're totally... He takes this to 11. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. When there's that scene where he ends up killing his cousin because his cousin disappointed him, his henchman essentially. And it is so fucked up. My kids were like, what? <laughs> I remember when I saw that for the first time, it was like a slight relief because one of the bad guys is out of the but picture you now. Knew it was coming though. It was like it was ten, but it was yeah. And you you saw when he, Alan Rickman or the sheriff, his hand goes behind him. Oh yeah, so and they kind of like cut it in a way that you can see him reaching for something, but they don't show what he's doing, and then he just stabs oh. his cousin to death in the stomach. And I remember feeling like slightly relieved, but it was almost like, oh my God. So the baddest bad guy has just like taken all of the evil into himself somehow. Everything horrible in this movie is being consolidated into this one character at this moment because he just killed off the second baddest bad guy. Right? Who was on his team. And it's like, he's just, he's very violent and rapey in this. It's, it's, he is, but he's also sarcastic and kind of, I mean, it's. A little bit comic booky. Yeah, this character should be so one-dimensional and so flat based on he's just such pure evil. There's nothing redeeming about him. And yet somehow Alan Rickman plays this in a way that you're just captivated. Like, what's he going to do next? Oh, my God. This is Everything's crazy. on the table. And he just keeps escalating. My kids so, keep asking me. Is Marion going to die? Are those kids, you know, at some point he takes when there's a big battle scene in the woods, when they find out, they, meaning Sheriff of Nottingham, finds out where Little John and Robin Hood are hiding. And there's this big battle and he takes a bunch of kids prisoner, which is so fucking dark. And my kids were like worried. They're like, what is he going to do to those kids? Um, no, he's because you're like everything is on the table, right? For what he's yeah. gonna do. I mean, they even registered that he is a wild card bad villain, more so than they know. Again, they know him as Snape. I won't give away the Harry Potter canon here, but Snape has more depth than just the villain. So, and, yeah. and so it was a little. Even though they know him as a villain, it was still jarring to them. Or people who who have never seen this, who might be younger, it's a little jarring to see Snape that fucking dark. I mean, he's like Voldemort here. <laughs> so this is how amazing Alan Rickman is. Apparently, the scene you're referencing when he has the kids brought yeah. up to like basically blackmail Marion into marrying him. <sighs> so weird. He between takes had the kids laughing so hard Aww. that when they went to shoot, that the kids kept like smirking and fucking up the take. <laughs> that makes me. It was feel like better. Alan Rickman. Stop entertaining the kids, but that the kids were just like loved him, thought he was so funny and so like nice, and, and he is in real life, or he was. May he rest in peace. peace. That yeah, he just was cutting in between. Like this is me in real life, and yay, let's have fun on set, and ha ha ha, and here's a good joke, and yay, and then like they'd go to it, and he 
was ad-libbing a bunch of his lines. Like, he just didn't like the script that they handed him. So he just said all these off-the-cuff things. So that scene you're referencing, he leans into the little girl and he's just like, I had a really yes. tough childhood. I'm lucky I'm sane. I'll tell you about it sometime. It's but that like, was unhinged. What? what is happening? It was unhinged. I mean, he gave that little You're speech. waiting for him to oh do... Yeah, you're waiting for him to do something terrible and he doesn't, thank God. But like... He could have. He very well, much Like could've. I said, my kids were a little bit like, what the hell is he going to do? And it's specifically at that point where he leans, he starts talking to this kid, like confessing to him, sort of like how a villain, like, I guess, confesses all his sins before he, like, fucking murders people. That's essentially how it reads. Like, he's just this slow, yeah. like, I had a tough upbringing kind of thing. And I'm like, oh my God, there's going to be a massacre. And I had a moment where I was like, does he kill a kid? I couldn't remember. And- <laughs> Like I he would have I don't remember oh my he god could have yeah he's he played it dark I I mean I love Alan Rickman he's amazing the, the sheriff of Nottingham is the furthest from the bureaucrat villain wolf that we reviewed oh so in different the Disney from film. the Disney sheriff absolutely different <laughs> he, when when he comes to your house he's not gonna take your uh, some little bunny's birthday present like he's gonna do something way more fucked up I think there's some comic relief like at some point. When Robin Hood or somebody like scars his face, and then there's a statue in the castle of Sheriff of Nottingham, and someone chisels oh, in the scar. Oh, it's so vain. Yeah, and then he gets upset He's... about it. And so there's something funny, and I do remember that as a kid, thinking that that was funny. And my kids even laughed at that. They thought that was funny because yeah. you, you really needed that comic relief. But um, it's it's a bit much. It's a bit much. It's not. Yeah. I think villains these days are more nuanced, and he is so black and white. So I read that. Alan Rickman got the script for this and was offered the part and was just like, no, <laughs> and gave him the script back and they gave it back like, please. And he took the scripts to some of his screenwriting and acting friends and said, this is a quote that I found. Will you have a look at the script because it's terrible and I need some good lines. Mm. And so he had his friends punch up the script but then on top of that because he brought that back to the director and they're like fine if you will be in the movie we'll let you say this he just kept Mm ad-libbing and i think this is a sign of how bad the script is but like all the best lines in this movie seem to be ad-libbed so that like cut your heart out with a spoon line he just made up on the spot and that's so weird by the way like people will give kevin costner credit because he didn't react to this line suddenly appearing in the movie that he wasn't expecting and like just was like keep going oh my god yeah yeah i mean i didn't even know that and i could i know those lines cut your heart out with a spoon and the way he's that's the best line in the film that is such the best line in the film and they even added the scene later where he's with guy gizmorn (laughs) He's just sitting there like, why a spoon, cousin? Oh, that's right. Why? <laughs> such a great oh, line. But they had to, line. Yeah. They had to add that whole beginning of that scene to like, as a throwback, a callback to, the, yeah. I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon, because that was not in the script. They just threw that out on the spot. They, Alan Rickman just announced that in the middle Amazing. of the scene when they were I, filming, and it's so good. I don't know if you had this experience the first time you saw Harry Potter, but the you know because we're like old as dirt when we saw the harry potter movies in the theater did i see that with you i bet i did yeah, yeah. we saw this in uh, <laughs> college, college. <We> did. <laughs> when alan rickman does come on scene on screen as snape i immediately was thinking of this role because I, I was like yeah because yeah. this is the villain role and you could sort of now you could see now elements yeah. of snape a little bit in here 
but okay. a little bit. The, the cut your heart out with a spoon. It's like the way he he has this like very velvety it's, delivery. That's just it's so great. unhinged though. It's so like charming unhinged. but unhinged. <laughs> and I think that's where Alan Rickman's really at his peak when he's like charmingly unhinged. You know, like. I've had actual debates with coworkers who are slightly older than I am about whether his villain in Die Hard or his villain in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, like, which was better, which was more iconic. They're both amazing. He's a great villain. A great villain. So good. But in this particular role, I thought maybe it was a little, not necessarily him, but I think the Sheriff of Nottingham role is dark in this film. And... Now, again, yeah, I, yeah. I sound like the pearl clutchy one, but I was a little bit aware of that watching that with my kids. I mean, my daughter's 11, but it was a little much because to them, the sheriff of Nottingham is like the wolf walking around collecting taxes. Uh, like, do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, just doing my job. They call me a slob. Yeah, this guy yeah, is no, this, this guy is yeah. murdering his own family members. He's trying to rape a bunch of people. He is evil. But like, yeah, very memorable. Terrible. I remembered him probably more than any other character from when I was a kid. All right, so we have some more fantastic acting, maybe okay written characters going on. We have a thing about Maid Marian, or I have a thing about Maid Marian. I get very annoyed that, I mean, from the legend, this character is there. She's a nice person. She's loving There is a she good description. She doesn't do a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's always just a helpless damsel in distress and this movie plays it a little differently at first but then reduces her back to that role and I am torn about whether that is more frustrating or not so she has a great entrance Maid Marian here is played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio you know her from Scarface you know her from The Abyss like she's a great actress So she has a phenomenal entrance. She shows up kind of dressed like a ninja. She (laughs) She is a ninja. is kicking Robin Hood's ass initially. There's this whole what happened to Maid Marian and oh, there's a secret security guard here. But it turns out it's Maid Marian in disguise. This is where when Robin Hood is back from England, he's like looking for back from the crusade. Sorry. He's looking for refuge and they were childhood friends. So, you know, Robin Hood's world is upside down. Despite this. She's still going to kick right. his ass. Yeah. So she's got a sword on him. They're fighting. They're hitting each other over the head with like candelabras. And he kind of lights her hand on fire and she yelps in a way that it's like, oh, wait, that's Marion. And he pulls her mask off and she just kicks him in the balls <laughs> so hard. And it's such a beautiful entrance. It's like, oh, made Marion. This movie has a couple of classic <laughs> kick in the nuts shots. That's one of them. Yeah, oh, she lands the best kick in the nut shot of all yeah, this, the characters it's good. in this movie. It's well-delivered, Marion. She's a really good character at the beginning because she, not only can she fight, she's really good at getting, like, intel. Like, she's a really good, like, she knows what the sheriff's up to and she's feeding it to them. She knows how to get through Sherwood Forest without getting her ass kicked because she kicks the guy's ass who tries to kidnap her. She's a great, strong character until the final act of the movie where she's being blackmailed into marrying the sheriff and suddenly all of these skills, she's shown us that she can kick ass 
it all just disappears suddenly. And she's just like yelping in the background in her dress like, ah, save me, Robin! Yeah. Like, I think it had a good start. I mean, my kids actually really liked the the whole bait and switch at the beginning when you realize the ninja kicking the crap out of Robin Hood is actually Meg Marian. They thought that was fun. Um, That's great. And I thought that was fun too. I had no memory of her character. I knew she was in the movie. I remember it. Uh, I only remember it as far as that I could picture her face. This movie tried to upgrade the character a bit with that part at the beginning, but I think they didn't go as far as to make it more interesting for modern day audiences. Like she was just sort of a nothing. I still thought it was fun when she basically like walks in on Robin Hood, basically taking a bath and he's like naked and everybody's like, that scene. And I thought that was was so controversial. Wait, because it's not Kevin Costner's ass. It's not. Someone else's butt. He got an ass. He got an ass double. (laughs) He got an ass double. And I remember that coming out because people were like sincerely upset like he wouldn't method act his own ass and like he's too too pristine to show his ass in this movie but there's a, clearly an ass shot for the ladies possibly my mom i still gotta find I out really want to know or not <laughs> yeah but you know that part was fun that is a, that's a funny scene and funny. i feel like she that was a good reaction to that like lady marion is a tough broad until she's not. <laughs> yeah, and I think if Hollywood's listening, I'd really like to see a version of this where she's an equal. I, I think it would just be more interesting to modern day audiences. Not just us cranky old adults, uh, but for kids too. I mean, for kids, it doesn't, it's just, it's just such a nothing for them. Okay, I'm going to fix this whole ending for us. So you have Marion crouching in the corner like ah save me when we know she's good with the sword we know she can kick a guy in the balls and you have robin hood and the sheriff facing off but then mortiana the witch keeps charging through the scene randomly why not have marion battle the witch i know azim and her have a thing going on but like why not have marion actually fighting someone while robin hood and the sheriff are fighting each other and there can be all the nut shots you want (laughs) and all the like throwing of things or like yeah whatever you gotta do but like she's not crouching in the corner she's not this type of character you've already established this you made her so lame in this final yeah. scene yeah i think we could agree at this point that we have not hollywood has not solved the maid marion thing i give this movie points for making her a little bit more interesting than in previous in you know previous iterations yeah but it's not quite there yet and you know it doesn't have to be some sort of feminist situation it doesn't it just has to be a little bit more interesting i read this is when i was a teenager but i think it was called the outlaws of sherwood or the bandits of sherwood there's a book aimed at tweens and i was a tween when i read it and Maid Marian is like sneaking out at night and kicking everyone's ass at archery Amazing. tournaments. I love this. And then like accidentally gets shot at one point by a rival. And then they have to be like, oh, wait, <laughs> how do we sneak her back in the castle? Because she wasn't supposed to be here. And so she's just a teenager out like partying after midnight. I like it. It gave her something to do. She was a better archer than Robin, if I recall from that book. Yeah, you could make could a little shoot him, but like that they had that kind of rivalry yeah. and that builds up the sexual tension. Like that was kind of cool. Yeah, though no, that that sounds more interesting to me already. We got several more characters to get through, but we got to get to one of my favorite characters that you could not care less Don't about: care. Will Scarlet, played by Christian Slater, also 
really the peak of his actor. He was at the peak uh, here. Fame. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a Heather's performance, and this is not a pump up the volume, but they cast him knowing that there were a bunch of tween and teen girls who were like, oh, Christian Slater. And to his credit, it's not good, but to his credit, he at least attempts a British accent. It's not a British accent, but like he's trying to do something here, and at least the director didn't tell him to shut up. I don't know. It's okay. This is a new ad. Uh, You know, he is the, I guess, stepbrother of Robin Hood. So there's a whole backstory where Robin's father has an affair with a servant. And then the servant has a child. And Robin is so jealous that, you know, his mother had passed away. He doesn't like that his father has moved on. So then Robin's father sends Christian Slater and his mother off to their own devices. So this is why Christian Slater sort of hates Robin Hood. And in the movie, he sort of flirts with betraying him but then doesn't i oh he tries to kill him a couple couple of times times, and i like that because like aren't we all mentally trying to kill kevin costner (laughs) there's a scene where will scarlet and will scarlet is a canon character from the robin hood legend like there's always been oh really i didn't even know that kind of like the third in command okay so there's a scene where robin hood's just being pretentious as fuck and you see Will Scarlet just pop a knife out and he's like, I'm going to fucking get this guy uh, like throat from a distance. But, you know, he's got good knife skills because we've seen it in a previous scene. It was like, oh, yeah, right in the back. This is going to be sweet. And Wolf, another kid character in this is like, watch out. And Robin turns and like shoots an arrow through his hand. And he's like, oh, fuck and runs off. I really wanted to see the knife get thrown. You really did. You're like, let's end this now. What are you going to do, Robin? I think Christian Slater, his accent is terrible, but I think he brought the right amount of teenage angst into this film. Like, if you were really pissed off at Robin Hood and, like, trying to go with the flow and trying to make your buddies happy, but at the same time, to your core, you just want to murder this guy... I, I was picking up that vibe. I was like, yeah, no, that's what it would be a 1990s Christian Slater. Like, yeah. That's exactly the mood of a character who wants to murder his stepbrother. It is. I, I guess as a lesbian, I didn't give a shit about Christian Slater. I, I just don't see it. I guess I see it, but yet I don't. So I didn't have the same attachment to him as an actor or this character in a way. But watch rewatching it now as an adult. Well, so like, I don't know. Maybe you just need to be straight to give a shit about this character. I don't know. But I will say that he, I was, I was like kind of rooting for him because I was like, you know what, Christian Slater guy who I don't give a shit about. I think you're right because the Will Scarlet character in this movie keeps calling Robin Hood a phony. He's like, what are you doing here? You don't need yeah. to be here. And part of me was like, I think he's right. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Calls him rich boy right from the and, beginning. He's just being an asshole to him. And as a kid, and though, so justified. as a kid, you're supposed to really, and, and I think as a kid, I sided with Robin Hood. And you're like, fuck you, Christian Slater. But as an adult, I'm sort of like, well, the man has a point. <laughs> yeah. No, I am kind of on his kind side. On his like, side. There's a scene yeah. when they're having sort of a kegger in Sherwood Forest. And he tries to ask. Made Marion to dance, and Robin Hood just like comes in and cock blocks that. Yeah, he does. He totally does. And <laughs> in my head, I was like, "Oh no, you gotta go, Will Scarlet here, lady. Like he's so much cuter and like younger and like just." Cooler and it, he seems overall. to know he's what's just what cooler. because he's he is calling it. You, Robin Hood, are in it for your own revenge. You're not in it for us. Yeah, and that is essentially my kind of like icky feeling about Robin Hood in this movie is that he's yeah no Will Scarlet's 
100% correct. 100%. Everything that comes out of his mouth, as cynical as it is, 1990s cynicism is totally oozing out of this character. But he just points at things and calls it like it is. And it's just such a Gen X, like, ugh, I hate it. It is. I hate the man. I hate the rich people. I fucking hate the rules. He's just in there being that 1990s person in a Robin Hood flick. But, like, I loved that when I was a kid. It represented so well. I was just like, yeah, I'm angry too, Will Scarlet. Let's be angry Let's together. Be angry yeah. together. Yeah. Also, I'm sure I thought it was hot when I was 12, but, like... I'm just shrugging for the for folks yeah, who can't 12. see me. I don't know. We'll have to hear from others. I believe you. Know what? You. you liked Ag- you liked Agent Starling from Silence of the Lambs. I like Will Scarlet from Robin Hood. We have our we types. do, and we it's uh, all the types are welcome here. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to make us watch Pump Up the Volume in Which a future podcast. Seen. By the way, so listeners, <laughs> get ready. We're going to make a lesbian watch Pump Up the Volume. Yeah, you're going to just gang up on me about Christian Slater. I'll have to think of like I'm going to make you watch like A League of Their Own. It's going to be great. <laughs> Oh, I love I love That's Illegal Their Own. But anyway, it is a great movie. You're gonna have to come up with something that's like a little bit Okay. I'll think about <laughs> it. A little bit more your team than that. <laughs> so just a few other characters, starting with Guy Gisborne, the sheriff's cousin, played by Michael Wincott, the second baddest bad guy. This actor has the creepiest voice yeah. in the history it's very of very gravelly. I hate this guy so much, but like Love this actor because he's just stuck with this voice for his <laughs> career and he's making the most of it. Yeah, he's one of the black and white just bad guys the same way as the witch is. Yeah. The witch is just a bad bitch. She's a bad bitch, but I kind of love her. Geraldine McGowan sure plays Mordiana. This was my Halloween costume in 1991. I went as the oh witch. Oh my God. Yeah. She was gross. She was a little like too gross for me. She's freaking disgusting but like we just talked about our halloween costumes before we started recording this episode and when everyone was going as barbie this year i went as one of the yellow jackets like i'm fully on board for friggin evil chicks and this is a friggin evil chick she has these moments where she's reacting to the sheriff and it's so dead hold on we have to i can't i have to go back to the halloween costume yeah so did people recognize it like, did peep the yellow jackets no, no. or Mordiana? Did the they witch? recognize like, oh, that's the witch from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Or did you have to explain it? Twelve year old, it Wednesday Adams? required explaining because I remember this Halloween very specifically. It was one of the coldest, rainiest. It wasn't even raining; it was like sleeting oh, on us. So, like, I had my whole costume designed, and then it was just like, oh, shit, this requires a winter coat. Mm -hmm. So, like, you had to put the winter coat under the costume, the makeup's coming off your face and dripping down, and... You had to explain it. I'm just imagining, like, a sea of, like, Snow Whites and Pocahontases, and is that how I plural... Mm -hmm. Is that the plural of Pocahontas? Pocahontas Pocahontas... 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 We're probably getting into some not PC territory. But in a sea of Disney characters, I'm imagining. Yeah, there's Disney princesses everywhere. And then I was going as the witch from Robin Hood. Pretty much. That's what I'm imagining. And people are like, oh, I just imagine these little old ladies being like, that's nice. Who are you, little girl? Oh, you're a witch. Oh, that's adorable. Just like, I'm a fucked up witch from Prince of Thieves. They'd be like, 
Oh God, okay. Get off my lawn. You know what would have made the costume? I was missing that one contact. Oh yeah, the eyes. The cataracts. One people. Uh, I'm not saying she's not a good actress. I'm not saying it's not fun to have these like evil witches. I just, she's just like so icky. Not a character from Robin Hood. This is adding a whole other level of like satanic worship and witches. Not the fun witches from Harry Potter. Right. They're going full witches, but she's just like squatting in the basement there. You got to walk through her lair. There's rats running around, spiders and blood and like all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But I love the scene where everything is going wrong for the sheriff. All his money is being stolen by Robin Hood. And he charges in and he picks up one of her knives. And he just like stabs a bunch of her shit out of front's yeah. frustration. And she's just watching him. And then she just goes... Something vexing you. <laughs> like, it's such a deadpan line. And I'm like, yeah, Mordiana the Witch is just like, yeah, you might want to talk to somebody about this, Sheriff. Like, you, you have some tension building up here, and I can't help you. I just do spells and Yeah, I just, like, I have this weird connection with this guy from the Crusades. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason for her to be in the movie, but... Yeah, I just, I really want to see, like, her and Azim go off and do a spinoff movie. And... I'd watch that. I need an origin story here to make it interesting. I didn't really need her in this movie. I thought it was just a little too yeah. gross. I mean, it's over the top, but that's the thing that I think Kevin Costner or various actors in this movie, no, pretty much just Kevin Costner, didn't get, is this movie is over the top. Alan Rickman got the memo and was like, yeah, oh, I have a witch that I hang out with? Great, we're doing this full speed ahead. <laughs> Don't hold me back here. But, like, Kevin Costner's treating it like it's some sort of historical drama. Like, no, this is off-the-rails nonsense. Yeah, it's... You've got a witch with one eyeball <laughs> and then, like, a random pupil in her other eye. Like, it's disgusting. And you know what? I'm here for it. It was a Halloween costume that I stand by. I just can't... <laughs> it's it's such... It's so obscure. The Halloween costume is so obscure. I love it. I mean, I was, like, dressing as, like, Coke cans and shit. Like, I wasn't, like, <laughs> dressing as, like, the witch from this movie. Oh, good lord. Nope. Loved it. I was fully on board. I was fully on board. For anybody who has BritBox, this is the actress who plays Miss Marple in all of those Agatha Christie movies. So if you want to see her playing a witch who's squatting in a basement of the sheriff's house, we've got a movie for you. All right. We got a couple other people we want to talk about real quick. Suppose we need to mention there is a not listed cameo of Sean Connery playing Ken Richard. Great cameo. Who was 30 years younger than Sean Connery at the historical timing of this film, but that's cool. That's fun. <laughs> I thought he was like a fun little cameo. Like it was like this beautiful it is a fun wedding. Cameo. It's the last scene and you know, they have a very like, I'm going to call it a farmhouse bougie wedding in the woods. It's very yeah, well it's designed here. Super live, laugh, love their <laughs> wedding. Oh my God, totally. Like it's sold as a set in like a pier one somewhere, but yeah. Uh, you too could dress as Maid Marian in your farmhouse yeah. wedding. It was just like the classic King Richard coming in at the end. And Sean Connery is, just brings the gravitas. It was a fun cameo, I thought. It was memorable. I remembered it as a It was a, a fun kid. cameo. And I kind of remember, like, as a kid, I didn't fully know who he was. Because I don't think I'd seen any of his movies. He's... Definitely hadn't seen James Bond oh, movies yeah. before I saw this movie in the theater. But I remember my mom being like, oh. Does your movie... mom think he's hot? I mean, I feel like we need to ask her this too. I'll... 
I'll add yeah. that to the list. We're going to just keep adding to the list <laughs> of... Uh... This is a very awkward list for me, but you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, folks. <laughs> Thanksgiving this is coming up. A... We want to understand who the We've boomer We've had worse conversations at the Thanksgiving <laughs> table at the treat house. This feels so... like an icebreaker for the treat. It could be. The holiday Mom, meal. Kevin Costner or Sean Connery? Go. Yeah. I want to know. He spent one day filming this, asked for a quarter of a million dollars, gave um, it all to charity. Oh, good for him. You know what? Good job, Sean. Good job. My favorite side character is Friar Tuck, who I thought was just funny that he is essentially the local drunk. I, I love, I appreciate that they he's a They made the drunk, drunk a friar. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So this is Mike McShane, who, if you've ever seen the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway, which oh, also has Colin Macri yeah. and Ryan Stiles. Um, he was a regular oh, on that. Really? Like He's a very funny actor. He's fun in this. But yeah. he rolls in this. He's drunk from the get-go. Every and scene. I don't think he sobers up no, for the whole he's movie. drunk in every scene. <laughs> I was like, they just make Friar Duck just like a total lush. He's hammered. hammered. There's that one scene, because they recruit him to come be the preacher, essentially, to Sherwood Forest once they've built their awesome treehouse fort. And he is giving the reverse of an AA meeting in one scene. (laughs) He has all these people sitting around, and it's very, like, solemn, and he's just telling them they need to drink more. (laughs) And it's a beautiful... Beautiful, funny cutaway that they just, you know, all right, what's everyone else doing? But it's just like there's a reverse AA meeting going on with oh Frank Chuck up in the hill there. Yeah, no, he's a useful he alcoholic. Is. He's a helper. <laughs> helper alcoholic. Yeah, pretty much. Never mind the liver problems. They don't live that long at this point. Oh, my point God. That's true. It won't catch up anyway, with them. The, you know, the he, life expectancy. Friar Tuck probably made it to his mid-40s. At best. But God is on his yeah. side. Oh. His Lord and Savior at the bottom of a glass. Yes. Cheers. Cheers to Cheers that. Cheers to that. Um, all right. So, other random things about this movie. I mean, this movie's so random on so many levels. We talked about how the fox in the lion version actually taught us British history. This is unteaching us British history. There's so many things wrong with this movie. But, you know, it's like loosely based on the legends. You can yell, fuck me, he cleared it. Like, that's not a thing people said back then, but it was funny. So keep that in the movie. Good times. Yeah. There's a distracting amount of oaths going on in the beginning of this movie. Like, people are swearing oh, yeah. that they're going to do something until their death. Whether it's Crusades. Robin swearing to Peter, I'm going to protect your sister Marion. Like, okay, yeah. you know, reasonable. And you've got Azim being like, I'm going to stay with you until I save your life. Like, okay, that comes back. Plot yeah. point. Great. But then, like, you have Robin randomly, like, cutting his hand open, swearing he's oh, going to avenge right. his father's death. Unnecessary like, there's so scene. many oaths. Like, how do you keep track of all these oaths that you're committing to? <laughs> Guys. It's a little messy. Like, yeah. Do you have a to-do list somewhere? <laughs> you got to write all this shit You're down. You're like, I promised myself to so God, to this guy, and now I'm cutting my hand. Yeah, it's a little much. Oh, God. We haven't even talked about the music in this. I think I saw recently that someone made some sort of online comment about, hey, remember back in 1991 when we were all terrorized by Brian Adams and the Prince of Thieves theme song just assaulting us on every single radio station? I was at the age when I first heard that song and when I first saw that music video, I was like swooning. I was like, this is the best I liked song it too. I really liked it. I loved yeah. it. It's a very white person song, I think. It's it's a very, you know. Yeah. So, 
They did not offer that song to Brian Adams initially. No. It was written by Michael Kamen, who did the soundtrack for this movie, and it is a phenomenal soundtrack. Like, this became... It was the song that was opening for the production company for all the other movies they ever did. I mean, this song was a I've huge seen so many. Like, this put Brian Adams on the map. Yeah. And they offered it to Kate Bush to record it originally. That might have been better. Yeah. You did not just see the face that Jess made when I just said that. Uh, this was going to be a Kate Bush song, and she passed on it and was like, this is not my style. I was going to say, it's not it. quite her style. And she no, writes her own but songs. but that's who Michael... So, right? That's who Michael Kamen wanted to record this, that he wanted someone who was edgy. When it started playing over the credits, the raspiness of his voice... I was just like, oh, this is so 1991. I love it. Like, it, it's edgy because it's raspy. But, like, yeah, they played this song to death. Like, we all had to, to hear this way. death. I mean, I'm sort of still times. sick of it. And I liked the song at the time. But I'm sort of still sick of it. And now I kind of want to hear Kate Bush sing it. Kate Bush, who's had this resurgence because of Stranger Things and um, the Running Up That Hill song. She would not have had the Stranger Things resurgence if she was the one who had done the song that went to the top of the charts. And was She'd be more of a household name, but I like it better this Yeah, way. they wouldn't have brought her in on Stranger Things. Oh, so we mentioned earlier that they originally were trying to get Carrie Ells to come in and play Robin Hood, but they actually signed... Robin Wright to play Marion. Oh, so it would have been a prince. This would have been a princess that bride might have been better. And if if Carrie Ells had not laughed his ass off reading the script, going, "No, this is terrible." Robin Wright did sign on to play Marion, and then Marion, and then she got pregnant and had to drop out. Obviously, we have some issues with Kevin Costner. It would have been really nice, Carrie Ells. But yeah. this is also... A, I think if Carrie Ells and I Robin mean, Wright were in it, this might have hit another stratosphere of pop culture. Because this... 1991, this was like four or so years after Princess Bride. And as listeners know, Princess Bride is our barometer. We rate... We, it's our peak Yeah, we... Peak you know, movie. it's one to ten, and ten is Princess Bride. So uh, that could have been interesting. Could have been. It wasn't. I don't know. Think about that. Think people. about it. Think about Sit that. Sit with it. Marinate on it. It would have been different, but, like, do we want to corrupt our memories of The Princess Bride with the two actors playing love interests in this movie when we know that maybe it's not as good? I don't know. I don't know. I think it would have been better. I think they could have improved this movie, but would it have taken them both down a peg? Maybe. That's my question. Although, you know, we're saying we're we're watching this now from 2023 eyes in our old crotchety way. I mean, at some level, like, I love this movie as a kid. Loved it in the theater. I loved it after I watched it. I still kind of loved it. If I'm full disclosure, I, still I mean, loved honestly, it full disclosure for me, I still kind of loved it. Whether the rest of my family did, I don't know. At some point, <laughs> I wrote in my notes. At some point, Elena fell asleep. Um, oh no! <laughs> because as we know, she of course had never seen this before. So yeah, she had fallen asleep. Yeah. Did she watch any movies? I, d- as a I child? don't know. I think she was raised okay. in the wilderness and just hasn't told me that. We need a special Elena episode where she's like, "No, we used to draw pictures." What movie she watched and she books. loved was True Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. Those are fighting it words. Is. Yeah. We'll take that up in another episode, we guys, because you've already heard our review. <laughs> so normally in our reviews, we like to go over things that we think suck or are cringy about the movie du jour. So 
aside from Elena falling asleep, yeah, what else did not work in this particular viewing of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Yeah, I think it really needed an editor. So folks know it is long. It's like two and a half hours long. Typically, movies from the early 90s are not that long. I mean, you're sort of used to these days. Oppenheimer was like three plus hours and things like that. But there's a 1991 movie has no business being that long. Do you recall what movie I had the same issue with? Yeah, but you were wrong on that one. And I believe it was No, I think (laughs) Hook does not need to be two and a half hours Yes, it does. So... You appreciate good editing is the takeaway here. That <laughs> I both walked of us into appreciate that. I good walked editing. You should not have an overly lengthy movie that is poorly edited and has scenes that have no purpose. Yeah, but in this so, bit, carry on. I really strongly disagree <laughs> that that other movie that you referenced took did not feel like two and a half hours. That is, I love that it's become the Voldemort. Oh this, my god! Like we can't say the name of that episode. I oh. like. I loved Hook. I loved rewatching it. And so, for listeners who have not listened to that episode, like Amanda did not feel the same. Um, no, and Elena and I are both right that. It should not I be know, two and a half but hours. it's annoying and it's good. And I guess in this particular case, it All felt right. long. And I, I, we're circling back. This needed better editing. And wait, can I give you a trivia point on okay. this? So the production company and Kevin Costner jumped into the editing booth and shut the editor out. Oh, at a certain point. That's not good because they felt. Alan Rickman's sheriff was overshadowing mm. Robin Hood. Well, and so they cut a bunch of sheriff scenes and extended a bunch of Robin Hood. That scenes. is an unfortunate. And Robin Hood's choice. just making pretentious ass speeches the whole time. I loved this movie as a kid, and I do think it's still a decent movie. It's just. I was disappointed in how just okay it felt upon watching as an adult. And my kids are like a little bit more attached to the Disney version. And even my daughter yes. who's older, yeah. uh, my son loves the, and we could talk about the action sequences. He was more into it, I think, on some level. He liked the violence, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But no, you know what? It's really, really well done action sequences. So. Yeah, I guess he's appreciating the art of the action. Yeah, he was even yelling at the screen like pointers or like, you know, you got to do this. You got to shoot the barrel. Like he was into the action sequences. And I I do think the action sequences were really good in this. Uh, Both the battle scene and we're getting into good stuff. The battle scene in the woods and then the final kind of rescue scene when they were going to hang all the folks the merry men, but they don't ever call them merry right. men. Right, yeah. So those yeah. scenes are great. They still are great. They're still fun. They don't go on too long. It, in some ways, I'd almost rather have more of that than some of the speeches. Yeah. So. Oh, God. No, the speeches are terrible. <laughs> Stop being the American savior. Stop The it. American savior part did bug me a little bit. It, so I, we've been dunking on this movie, but what else did you think was good? <laughs> like, what did you think was great? Well, no, we were doing things that suck. Oh, and yeah. We'll I... Things that are good. But like, <laughs> you, you transitioned into it, so I'll try to do both together as well. Um, for me, things that still stick with me as annoying or suck is just, I mentioned it, but made Marion... The script, the original script, must have sucked so badly. I haven't read the original script, but, like, all the best lines in this are ad-libbed. I really do think Christian Slater yelling, fuck me, he cleared it, is my favorite line in the film. Because, like, occasionally, in life right now, 
someone will do something where in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, fuck me. He cleared it. Like that thing that shouldn't have worked just worked. And like, oh, we didn't kill someone there. That's Yeah, great. there's a little fuck bit he of it. needed comic relief there. And, you know, I'm not even like a film person, really. I could just say that my feeling of watching this again, that I was kind of surprised at how that it wasn't great. It wasn't like at Ferris Bueller level where it was like a totally different experience, but I was disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed at how mediocre it was. I, I, that almost feels like a more harsh review of just mediocre. Cause I think at the time, you know, my you know 12 year old me like really thought this was like high end cinema. 12 year old me thought this was the greatest movie. I was supposed to say the things I love about this movie. We've talked about like the action sequences are phenomenally good. They've choreographed these for some reason. Azim invents dynamite and they blow up a bunch of stuff. And like, it's just, they're running around, they're lighting things on fire and it's just chaos, but like so cool looking. I really do love the action sequences. Little John's wife, I like, they, like pluck her down. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen her in any other movie, but she's awesome. In this. Yeah, they make Little John's um, wife like she insists on fighting, and he's like, "You have to take care of the kids," and she's badass. like, "Fuck you, Little John," and she ends up, you know, playing a big role in the battle at the end. Well, so and then this final scene where they're going to attack the hanging and rescue their men and. Uh, Rescue Maid Marion. They have this elaborate, like, people are in costumes. Azim is dressed as a leper because they can't show that they have uh, a moor, a moor, yeah. a black man with them. But they dress the other guy like a Scotsman and, like, they're all just, like, doing their elaborate ruses. But she's perched up on the wall and the soldier comes over to her, like, What are you doing up here? And she's like, Oh, I love a good hanging. And her husband comes over the wall at that point, like, throws the guy to his death. Not a defenestration, (laughs) but like, and he just sits down next to her and she just goes, Hello, my lover. (laughs) I love the way she delivers that. She's enjoying the murder part of of the heist. Her small (laughs) amount of screen time, she eats it up. She's wonderful. So kudos to her. All right. So the one other thing this movie has that I love is an epic montage. They are building a treehouse in Sherwood Forest and they're training an army and the whole thing comes together. And you know I love my cleaning montages. It's the same impulse for me. Like they are stringing up rope ladders and they're building weird swings and there's weird pulley systems that you can get out of the treehouse and everything about it looks so cool. And Kid Me absolutely reacted to that because it was like, oh my God, it's a series of treehouses with drawbridges and such a badass way to like live your life up in the trees. But then they get attacked and that one guy's like, to the trees! And they all just like go running up the rope ladders. Everything about it is such, like, in my childhood brain, that was the perfect way to live. Like, let's build a whole community in a treehouse. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yes. It's it's so cool. Inside there, there's, like, a mini robbing sequence of robbing the rich. Oh, and- yeah. And, like, then it's all, like, let's go, like, save the church from being robbed by the sheriff's people. and Let's go throw chickens at the peasants in the neighboring town and be, like, heroes. Yay! Like, they're just Yay. going through it. Yeah, great montages. I agree. And they, I think they were just as good this time around. And I do remember them as a kid. I liked them too. Thought they were fun. And my kid, my kids mm-hmm. liked them. They were, it resonated. I think Elena yeah. might have been asleep at that point, but that's okay. Well, 
you know, <laughs> that's okay. I suppose we should rate this movie. I have a hunch where you're going with this, but we'll see. You might delightfully surprise me. I might. So just to remind folks, so as we had mentioned, uh, Princess Bride being a barometer, uh, we rate this twice. We rate it for adults and as well as does it live up for kids today? And by adults, I mean, does it live up to us now as adults? Rating is 1 to 10, 1 being garbage, 10 being Princess Bride. What are you thinking, Amanda? So this is my adult rating, and I'm going to give this an 8. An 8 after all of this dunking? I'm shocked. I thoroughly enjoyed this, despite the fact that I know Kevin Costner was, I'm not going to say phoning it in, but being prevented from even trying his British accent and just coming in in this sort of sulking, way too serious sort of tone. But everything around him in this movie saves this movie for me. I think it's really fun. I think every character except for Robin Hood is awesome. And I enjoyed watching this again. So I'm giving it an eight. I'm giving it an eight. So... You know, I was somewhere between a five and a six, and I'm going to give it the extra point of a six because of essentially just a nostalgia point. And the reason why I hovered in the middle is that I did, I agree with you. I enjoyed watching this again. It just, it wasn't as great as I remember. So I didn't want to go much above the middle. So a six from me. So that's, what is that math? Order Muppet. (laughs) Tell me what it is. We are at a clean 14. All right, so the second rating, the same scale, does it live up to kids today? One to ten, what do you think? This one's harder for me because I know that 12-year-old me really enjoyed this movie when I saw it in the theater. I do want to give it an above-average rating. I'm going to go as high as a seven, which is what I gave to these big adventure. I'm actually really surprised given all the dunking we just did. I'm almost like questioning your sanity We're really at this just moment. dunking on the script and kevin costner though it's true i you know there's no surprise to you or our listeners i'm going to be a bit harsher and, it, and i probably overemphasize my own kids viewing of this i don't think this is a great entryway into the robin hood canon for kids these days it's just okay because Robin Hood himself falls flat versus being a sexy fox, um, mm. I went as low as a three, which is really Ooh, low. And ouch. I just don't All think, right. I, you know, I could be convinced for it to be slightly higher. And again, it's not like a bad movie. I mean, if you remember watching this as a kid, I think it's fine to rewatch. And it's not like inappropriate. I mean, it's like long and there's a big, long attempted rape scene and that it is what it is. And the beginning is super violent, but that's not even why I'm giving it a three. I'm just giving it a three because I think Robin Hood himself falls flat. So I think my seven is specifically for tweens and not like the under 10 crowd. So I should have said that when I was voting. No, okay. I don't. I, mean, I, I appreciate that your son was giving tips on how to uh, blow oh, yeah. up more He's things. Like, we got to shoot the battle. arrow with the alcohol. I mean, like he that sort of... I'm glad he was way into it. But like, I also recall that my neighbor's kid burst into tears and they had to leave the theater yeah i was almost thinking of tweens um you know i i could be convinced of a four i'm gonna give it another point only because kids these days will will i just like my own kids were excited to see snape and something else They, they they know who alan rickman is and it's fun to see him play another villain so I'll give it a four. You've convinced okay. me, Amanda. Oh, I'm glad. I still think you're really high for how much you've dunked on this. Your your other fours for kids, by the way, are Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 
and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That works. So that tracks this for me. Feels right. Feels right. Feels okay. right. Whereas my other sevens are the Muppet movie and the Adams Family. Oh, Amanda, I don't know. I know. I might have gone a little high there. I might have gone a little high. So we're at 25. Okay. This could go either way. We've had exactly the score in movies that are a no for us. And we've had movies right around this ballpark that are a yes. So does it live up? So to remind viewers this now after scoring, we each have to agree of whether this lives up. It's so up or down, yay or nay. We both have to agree. Uh, we've tanked each other's favorite movies before. It's a bad, bad sign that you phrased it like that. I know. <laughs> I really was like wanting to say yes to this but i'm not sure i can all right what's your reason for not thinking this lives up if anything there was certain like oh i forgot this part and it's weird like oh yeah this this is not as funny as i remember and so i was constantly almost like justifying it to myself as to why i liked it as a kid versus finding new things to appreciate about it so that i i it's just hard for me to say yes to it even though I have a real affection for this movie. I think I'm going to have to say no for me. Oh, I'm right. sorry. Were you going to say yes after all that I'm, dunking? I am saying yes, even after all that dunking. Because what? watching this as an adult, I still enjoyed this. I made a separation from the parts of the movie that I loved and super live up. The Alan Rickman performance, the... Morgan Friedman performance, the action scenes, all fantastic. They all live up. Kevin Costner's real, and he won a Razzie Award for this, by the way. I mean, um, deserved. He beat Vanilla Ice. I mean, was okay. A movie called Cool as Ice. Oh my God. That's hilarious. To be the worst actor of 1991 after winning Best Actor at the Oscars the year before. He's not good but there's something in my brain that almost put his performance into this like sharknado territory of <laughs> look at like this museum piece of how weirdly wrong this performance was for this movie <laughs> and it's weirdly wrong still was affectionate about that was just like yeah look at this like very awkwardly off part of this this character is totally wrong for the Everything else that's going on in this movie. They have such a good cast. And so many things are going right with this movie. But Kevin Costner as the actor. And Kevin Costner getting into the editing booth and taking Alan Rickman out of the film more than he was. So you're like, I don't... Is the so wrong? And I, I shouldn't be giving him a pass. But at the same time, I'm like so amused by it. And so I find that that... It tickled me. I it, I it lives up. It lives it, up. It's so funny though because like this whole time I felt like you've been dunking on this more than me. As I was thinking that maybe that you were a sure thing to say it, it doesn't live up. I I'm surprised. But all right, well that means we officially deem it as not living up, even though Amanda thought it did. Which I'm I'm, I'm gonna still throw don't believe you. The word barely, it barely doesn't it, live up. I would put that thing, that's right. It barely didn't yeah. live up. You know, I'm sure folks may disagree. Uh, so I guess once again, hate mail, come my way at Live Up Pod on all the socials. Let us know what you think. Have you watched it recently? Do you think it lives up? Do you think Amanda's just been fooling me this whole time? Whatever you think, we'd love to know. And if you want to see Alan Rickman cut someone's heart out with a spoon, give us a <laughs> shout out. Yes. All right, everybody. 